Of course, the seasickness didn't help, but that didn't begin to cut in until afterwards, when Wee Mad Arthur had finished his breathless account. And what did you find in the huts? said Vimes. More goblins, sir, all shapes and sizes, little ones too. Most of them dead, the rest in a very bad way, in my opinion. I did what I could for them, such as it was. To tell you the truth, sir, I think they were bewildered about everything, poor wee devils. But there's grub and water there of a sort, and I don't reckon those guards are going to move in a hurry, I can. He made a face, and added, Really weird, those goblins. I let them out, and they just milled around, not knowing what the hell to do. I mean, crivens! If it were me, I'd be out of there like a shot, and give those scunners a right good kicking in the fork while they was lying down. As for the men, well, I ken this was urgent, and I could always fly back tomorrow and pour some water on them at least. But I thought the watch should know, and so I made haste back to Ank Morpok. And they told me where you'd gone on holiday, and Lady Sybil said you'd gone down that mucky old river. So all I had to do was fly down until I got to Quarum, and when I found a big, awful, terrible mess, I kenned that that was something to do with you, Commander. We Mad Arthur hesitated. He was never quite sure what Vimes thought of him, given that the man considered feagles in general a nuisance. When Vimes was slow to reply, he asked, I hope I did what ye would have done, Commander. Vimes looked at We Mad Arthur as if he was seeing him for the first time. No, Constable, you did not do what I would have done, which is fortunate, because if you had, then you would be in front of me on a charge for using brutally excessive force in the execution of your duties. However, you will get a medal and an official commendation for this, Constable. Right now we're chasing another ship that's taking more goblins to that wretched place. And although I imagine you must be very tired, I expect you'd like to come along for the ride? Incidentally, may I congratulate you personally, Constable? For someone raised as a gnome, you really have got the hang of the whole feagle business, haven't you? You beat up a dozen armed men single-handed. Oh, aye, sir, said Wee Mad Arthur slyly. But it wasn't he fair. I had them outnumbered. Oh, and by the way, in some of them sheds there was all kinds of, like, alchemy stuff. Didn't ken what it was, but you might find it of interest. Well spotted, said Vimes. Why don't you go below and get a rest? Aye, sir, I will, but as soon as I can, I have to run an errand regarding Sergeant Colon, who is in a very bad way indeed. He looked at Vimes's blank expression and continued, Did you nay no? He got some goblin gee-gaw given to him, and it's put some kind of fluence on him quite cruel, and he's a-screaming and a-shouting and making oot like a goblin all day long, according to Sergeant Littlebottom. She's moved him into the sanatorium. Sergeant Colon? Aye, sir. And according to Captain Angua, we have to find a goblin cave to break the fluence you can. Sounds a wee bitty weird to me, but half the watch is out searching the place for goblins, and they canna find even one of the poor wee beings, being as the wee beasties is hardly going to advertise these days, if you are getting my meaning. Once again, wee Mad Arthur looked at Vimes. Sergeant Colon, that's what I told you, sir. The blood came back to Vimes's face as rational thought came back to his brain. Can he travel? Wee Mad Arthur shrugged. Ahead of them, the Queen of Quirm seemed a little closer. Then, if you please, Constable, can you go back to the clacks at Quirm Watch House and tell them to put Fred on a coach to Ramkin Hall as soon as possible, OK? Vimes added, best if Cheery comes with him, I should think. And in his head, he added, Fred Colon, he hates anything non-human on the quiet. And for now, he left it at that, given what lay ahead, but thought, Fred Colon, I wonder what kind of pots he would make.
Behind him, Wee Mad Arthur whistled a strange note, and a seagull trailing the cutter in the vague hope of a free meal of fish entrails found a weight on its back and a voice in its ear saying, "'Hello, beastie. My name is Wee Mad Arthur.' Vimes liked to have his feet on something solid, such as his boots, and he liked his boots to do likewise. The sail of the Queen of Querm now clearly visible, the cutter left the safety of the harbour and hit what is generally known as a moderate swell. And Commander Vimes, the Duke of Ankh-Morpork, Sir Samuel Vimes, and not least Blackboard Monitor Vimes, was definitely going to eat his bacon sandwiches and not throw up in front of other watchmen. And he didn't and didn't know how, although he did at one point think he detected high in the rigging the shape of a small goblin grinning down at him. He put it down to the bacon sandwiches, which were valiantly trying to come back up, just as he valiantly kept them down. Stratford would have got onto that damned hulk, he was sure of it, damn sure of it. He would want paying for one thing, and he wouldn't want hanging. Vimes hesitated. How sure of it should he be? How much was he prepared to gamble on a hunch? It was Stratford, after all. He was smart and nasty, so you covered every angle, even though you knew that a smart man in a hurry could find a new angle for himself. And so all the people who made up Sam Vimes walked backwards and forwards across the poop deck, or the scuppers, or the starboard, or whatever the damn slippery rocking wood he was standing on was called, veering between hope nausea, despair, self-doubt, nausea, and the thrill of the chase, and nausea, while the cutter seemed to hit the hard bits of every wave as it plunged onwards after the Queen of Querm and Justice. The lieutenant came up to him and saluted quite smartly, and said, "'Commander, you have asked us to pursue the ship because it is carrying goblins, but I know of no law against taking goblins anywhere.' "'There ought to be a law, because there certainly is a crime, do you understand?' said Vimes. He patted the lieutenant on the shoulder and continued, "'Congratulations. This cutter of yours is actually travelling faster than the law. Lieutenant, the law will catch up. Goblins can speak, they have a society, and I've heard one of them play music that would make a bronze statue burst into tears. The process of modern policing is such that I'm certain that these have been taken from their home, and the ship that we're following is taking them somewhere where they don't want to go. Look.' If you're queasy about it, just help me get on that ship, and I'll sort things out by myself, okay? Besides, I believe our murderer could be on the boat as well, but it's up to you, Lieutenant. Vimes nodded towards the prow and added, We're so close I can see the faces of their crew. Maybe you should tell me your intentions, Lieutenant. He felt a little sorry for the lad, but not too much. He had taken the job, he had accepted the promotion and the money that went with it, hadn't he? Any copper worth his truncheon would at least take a look at the Queen now they'd come this far, wouldn't they? Very well, Commander, said the lieutenant. I'm not sure of my bearings, but we will hail the Queen and ask permission to come aboard. No, you don't ask. You tell them to stand by to be inspected by the police. And if you're not concerned about the goblins, then it is a fact that I'm in pursuit of a murderer, Vimes added. The capital crime, one we can't ignore. In fact, he could see the Queen was already heaving two, or three, or four, as far as Vimes the landlubber was concerned. It was even hoisting a white flag, much to his surprise. And her captain was waiting for them as the cutter drew alongside. He had a look of resignation on his face and said, "'We won't make any trouble, officers. I know it was a bloody stupid thing to do. We've got the man you're looking for, and we're bringing him up now. It's not like we're pirates, after all. Good morning, Lieutenant Perdix. Sorry to put you to any trouble.' Vimes turned to the lieutenant, 
You know the captain? Oh, yes, Commander. Captain Modora is well respected on this coast, said the lieutenant, as the cutter gently kissed the queen. Smuggles, of course, they all do it. It's a sort of game. But Captain Murderer, said Vimes. The lieutenant scrambled onto the queen's deck with ease and gave Vimes a hand up, saying, The Murderers are a highly respected family in these parts. To tell you the truth, Commander, I think they rather like the name. They'd object more to Smuggler, I suspect. We're bringing the bloke up right now, lieutenant, said the captain, and he ain't very happy. Vimes looked him up and down and said, I'm Commander Vimes, Ankh-Morpork City Watch, currently investigating at least two murders. Captain Murderer's eyes shut, and he put a hand over his mouth for a moment before saying, in a voice weeping with forlorn hope, That wouldn't be that Commander Vimes, would it? Captain Murderer, produce for me the man I'm after, then I'm sure you'll find me on a friendly footing. Do you get my meaning? There was some shouting and thumping down below, and several suggestions that somebody was getting kicked very hard. Eventually, a man with a cloth tied around his face as a blindfold was half-pushed and half-dragged up onto the deck. "'To tell you the truth, I'll be glad to see the back of him,' said the captain, turning away. Vimes made sure the man was held fast by the sailors and pulled down the mask. He looked into bloodshot eyes for a moment, and then very calmly said, "'Lieutenant!' Will you please impound the Queen of Quirm and arrest the captain and first mate on a charge of kidnapping and possibly abduction of a number of persons, specifically Mr. Jethro Jefferson, also goblins to the number of fifty or more. There may be other charges. You can't abduct goblins, said Captain Murderer. Goblins is cargo. Vimes let this one pass for the moment. Captain Murderer would be orientated to the world as seen by Commander Vimes at Commander Vimes's leisure. For now, he said to the lieutenant, I would also suggest that you lock up the captain and first mate in the brig, if that's what it's called, because when Mr. Jefferson here has got his hands free, I think he's going to try to punch somebody's lights out. I'm sure this can all be sorted out, but someone's going to suffer for this, and it's just a matter of deciding who it's going to be. He thought for a moment, and then countermanded, No, I think that first I'll talk to the captain in the captain's quarters. Kipper? I'd like you to come and take notes. Lots of notes. Good to see you, Mr. Jefferson. Lieutenant, to the best of my knowledge, Mr. Jefferson is guilty of no crime other than being in possession of a hot temper. But although he's a man I'm very glad to find, he's not the bastard I'm currently looking for. It was, acting Captain Haddock thought, a good thing that he had a decent amount of room in his notebook. Captain Murderer, let me recap, said Sam Vimes after a while, idly swivelling in the captain's chair. It squeaked. Some men, unknown to you, but whom you decided to treat with respect because they had the right password, which is to say the password you used in your dealings with smugglers, with whom you have developed what I might call an understanding, delivered to you a man bound and gagged and told you to take said man to Hawanderland to, and I quote, cool his heels for a little while. And you have also told me that these men said to you that this was okay by the law. The swivel chair under Vimes squeaked once or twice as he twisted for dramatic effect, and he went on, Captain Murderer, I represent the law in Ankh-Morpork, and you may be aware that a number of influential politicians throughout the world trust my judgment. 
and Captain Murderer, I know of no law that makes kidnapping legal, but I'll ask my colleague and an expert on quirm law whether he knows of any local edict that makes it legal to tie up somebody who has committed no crime and drag him onto a boat and send him to a questionable distant location against his will. The swivel chair had only one chance to squeak again before Lieutenant Perdie said ponderously, Commander Vimes, I know of no such change in the law, and therefore, Captain Modereau, I arrest you, and here the lieutenant placed a hand on the stricken captain's shoulder, on a charge of kidnapping, aiding and abetting kidnapping, actual and possibly grievous bodily arm, and other charges that may arise in the course of our continued investigations. In the meantime, upon its return to port, the Queen of Querm is impounded, and will, you may be sure, be inspected down to its gunnels. Vimes swivelled the chair again, until his face was not visible to the downcast captain, but could be clearly seen by the lieutenant, then winked at him, and got a little nod in response. He rotated the chair again and said, "'Depriving an innocent man of his liberty, even for a week, captain, is a very serious crime.' However, the lieutenant has told me that you are well thought of on this coast, and in general are considered to be a model citizen. Personally, I don't like a world in which small men who act out of fear, or even out of misguided deference, get thrown into prison, while big men, the instigators, if not the perpetrators of crime, get off totally free. I expect you don't like that world either, eh? Captain Murderer stared down at his sea-boots, as if he was expecting them to explode or perhaps break into song. He managed to mutter, "'You're right there, Commander.' "'Thank you, Captain. You're a man of the world. Right now you need a friend, and I need names. I need the names of the people who got you into this mess. Now, Mr. Jefferson the blacksmith has told me that in all conscience he cannot say that he was particularly badly treated once he was in your illegal hospitality. Apparently he was reasonably well fed, given beer and a daily tot of rum, and even provided with a number of back issues of the magazine Girls, Giggles and Garters to while away his time. He also wants names, Captain Murderer, and it may just be that if we add those names, all put down legally in an affidavit, he might just be persuaded to forget his imprisonment in exchange for a certain sum of money to be negotiated and a chance to go hand-to-hand, fair and square, no holes barred with your first mate, whom he describes as a bag of shite, a nautical term which I don't pretend to understand. Apparently said man took pleasure in thumping him when he objected to his imprisonment, and Mr. Jefferson would like, as it were, to settle the score. Vimes stood up and stretched his arms as if taking the cramp out of them. "'Of course, Captain, this is all very irregular, especially since we have here our lieutenant, a decent, clean and upstanding young officer, but I suspect that if he brought the Queen into dock and you in front of the authorities on a smuggling charge—' he might consider honour to be satisfied. It would be a bit of a knock for you, but not one half as bad as being an accessory to kidnapping. Don't you agree? Vimes went on cheerfully. The lieutenant here will have got a feather in his chapeau and may put in a bon mot on your behalf, I suspect, what with you being an otherwise upstanding and above all helpful citizen. Vimes winked at Lieutenant Purdy. I'm teaching this young man bad habits, Captain, and so I suggest that you treat him as a friend, especially if at any time in the future he asks you any innocent questions to do with shipping movements and merchandise, 
and other such concerns. It's up to you, Captain Murderer. I think you know names, the names at least of the men you deal with, and also the name of their employer. You want to tell me anything? The boots shuffled. Look, uh, Commander, I don't want to become enemies with powerful men, if you know what I mean. Vimes nodded and leaned forward so that he could look the man in the eyes. Of course. I quite understand that, Captain, he said quietly. And that is why you should give me the names. The names, Captain. The names. Because, Captain Murderer, I understand you do not wish to upset influential men, and right now I have half a mind to have your ship impounded and destroyed because you are trafficking in living, breathing, intelligent, creative, if somewhat grubby, sapient creatures. Strictly speaking, I would get into trouble for authorising this, but who knows? The world can change quite quickly, and it's changing quickly for you. He slapped the captain on the back. Captain Murderer, here and now, I'd like you to think of me as a friend. And Vimes listened, and the red balls bounced across the bays, cannoning off the coloured balls, and the law was being broken wholesale for the purpose of upholding the law. How could you explain that to a layman? How could you explain it to a lawyer? How could he explain it to himself? But it was all happening fast, and you got on top of it or perished. So you did your best, and faced such music as anyone cared to play.